So thank you all for coming to Cock Talk. He has trouble counting change with the with the with the hands thing. Wait, wait, stop. Sorry. Yes, but I don't yeah. think that Dana Carvey's movie um, coming out at that same time was really that big a problem for our country. I still don't know why you're making such a big deal about September 11th, 2001. I mean, I fucking hate you. Well, you know, they don't necessarily need to be anathema, but they are definitely on different ends of the spectrum. Oh boy, how? See, I have every, a genetic predisposition every, against redheads, so because yeah, because you are one, right? Yeah, combustion. Yeah, we've yeah. heard it before. Yep. The only time I change the setting so, is when so, I take the uh, okay. hair trimmer down to the nether regions. Like that's the only time. Other than that, it's all just a two. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just don't know how about you all? I'm joking. I use V. After the four Gospels, what's the next book of the Bible? Acts. Okay. And after that, it's Romans, isn't it? I'm drunk. Um, yeah, Romans. Okay, yeah. Yes. Okay. And if you look at the 15th chapter of Romans, okay, uh, you will find that it actually mentions uh, the ability to arm yourself. That's why it's AR-15. Thank you. Checkmate atheists. And, and anytime there's action in the ring, Scott Hall is taking all the bumps because Kevin Nash kind of sucks as a worker. Damien already knows this, of course, and and a significant portion of our listening audience already does too. Hi, folks. You you all know us, most of you anyway. But uh, for anybody who who doesn't, um, <clears throat> I have been working uh, assiduously uh, for the last two years, uh, this year and and the year prior, at my current uh, teaching site to develop my reputation as uh, the site eccentric. Um, to that end, uh, I am the only teacher who shows up on a daily basis in a uh, collared shirt, necktie, and a vest. Um, and uh, I have of late been wearing an Inverness cape because the weather has gotten cold. Uh, and because of the season of the year and we're getting close to uh, the, the holiday season, I, I have also started curling my mustache. I, I grew it out over the last couple of months. And uh, so as as I speak right now, I have a waxed, curled uh, handlebar mustache. Um, and so the other day, I was standing at the door to my classroom wearing the Inverness cape because it was cold out. And with my mustache curled, as I just described, and it was it was chilly. The, the change of seasons has now happened in our in our neck of the woods, and so it was probably about forty five degrees, which I'm sure people in many parts of the world are listening to it like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's not cold. Remember, this is Northern California. We're soft here. 
um, when it comes to cold anyway. And so it was about 45 degrees. And of course I'm teaching sixth graders. So I have a group of kids lined up outside my classroom and um, two of them close to the door. I, I open the door and I step out and two of them close to the door say, Mr. Blaylock, you've got to let us in. We're freezing. <laughs> and I look at them and one of them, I shit you not has shorts on. And the other one has on long trousers, but is wearing a t-shirt. And, and I pointed this out to them and they said, well, yeah, but it's cold out here. Whatever. There's sixth graders. I said, just, just get inside. What I wanted to say, and were I teaching seventh or eighth graders, what I would have said was, I need you to look at me. And then I need you to understand that when a man with a waxed handlebar mustache who is wearing a cape tells you you're being dramatic, maybe you need to dial it back a couple of notches. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> I, I I had that thought go through my head and I was like, oh my God, I, I yeah, I am that guy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my note. <laughs> for the for the beginning of this episode um how about you what do you well, got going on i'm damien harmony i am a latin teacher for one more year and uh u.s history teacher up here in northern california at the high school level uh and the news that i've got is that um i am well there's a couple things really uh first of all my son has started punning off of prepositions which is pretty cool that's another okay. step up right. uh um also uh he has undertaken so these these will both be uh, updates on my children okay. uh, my son has also undertaken uh to improve and remap all the zoos in america one by one and so yesterday he asked me where monterey was on the map and i said oh find san francisco work your way down and Monterey is kind of a smaller place for those of you who don't know. Monterey is very famous for its aquarium, um, but it's also a very small town. So on a map, it will show up as like one of the smaller words. And he he gets all the way down to like San Luis Obispo and he's like, it's not there. I said, no, no, work your way back up again. Start up at the top and work your way south, you know, along the coast. And what I realized was, oh, on the other side of that bay is a bigger town. So I said, OK. When you find Santa Cruz, you know, like work your way back up or uh, back down. Uh, anyway, I forgot, I forgot about that fact. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So basically, I was like, you know, when <laughs> when you get to Missanum, work your way back up to, uh, <laughs> you know. So yeah. and he was able to find it there, like no problem. So okay. uh. So anyway, he's like, okay, that's where it is. Hmm. I wonder what species are native to that area. And then he spent the rest of the day researching zoology in that area and he has now rebuilt the entirety of the monterey uh, zoo which is actually as he told me tonight in salinas not monterey and i said oh did you finish the san diego zoo no i took a break from that it's pretty big so i took care of the big cat exhibit and the the and i'm like i i defy you to find another child who is redesigning famous world famous zoos so yeah, I, as as a native San Diegan, I'm mm -hmm. I'm impressed and the scope protective. of what he's undertook. Yeah, <laughs> like hey, wait a minute, man. Like, it's you know whatever. You no, know, 
but he uh he has already done so I, I forget what other zoos he's done i think he did the philadelphia zoo which is actually the oldest zoo in the united states um Ooh. but yeah all right yeah. um but it and just now and now i know yeah so Ooh. that's that's what he's done my daughter okay. um worked her first paid gig uh she she uh has she's a writer as you know um yeah. she's published as a writer which is more than you and I have ever done Damn. um and um she she started this this small it was like a 250 word submission that she calls an ashen tale okay and it's just like kind of the first intro to a character in a story and like you know every kid that's in this in this uh anthology you know they've they publish stuff and you know, it, it, it's varying okay. degrees of quality, but like hers is clearly a cut above the rest. Like it's it's that moment when like you're playing a minor league team and you're like, oh, he's just working out some kinks. He just hit his fourth, <laughs> you know, grand slam yeah. of the night. You know, that yeah. kind of that yeah. kind of difference. Yeah. Um. So the company or the the community uh, organization that mm. that has enabled NGO, this. As yeah. Um, it, it's called it's called 916 Inc. By the way, it's it's phenomenal, yeah. um, and it gets kids writing, and and both kids are presently in an after school program on Thursdays, which is which is pretty neat. But they had a fundraiser because you know you got to be begging the the oldsters and the richsters for money, uh, to keep these things afloat because uh, cities certainly aren't going to um yeah. tax them for it. So, uh, the result is, um, my daughter was asked to read her story to everyone so that they can see like oh this is what our money is going to so she's kind of the exemplar all right for her troubles she got a 50 dollars gift card to a local bookstore that she and i and william all all three of us love frequenting uh and so they got to show their mom that today and you know it's i always love you know sharing like hey this is a really cool thing there's an easy win for you enjoy it you know go forth and enjoy Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah yeah. they took her to the there and back and they took her to the uh the capital books underneath you know where you've got the basement and it's got really cool stuff um but i explained it to her i said you do realize that for five minutes of work you got paid fifty dollars that's ten dollars a minute which if you extrapolate that out you got six hundred dollars an hour i said to be honest you're in my territory now you're working my side of the street and she's like, really? I said, yeah. I mean, you know, given how little time I spend on stage for the money that I make for my show, mm-hmm. you could you could do the same math. And uh, she's like, wow. I said, yeah, the trick is to get hired for the whole hour now. Uh, <laughs> That's a big I, jump. I don't even do that. That's a um, big jump. It is huge. It is huge. I would love to do that. And I would yeah. love for my daughter to do that. So anyway, so big, very cool, big, cool thing. Yeah, it was very on a cool. rooftop. It was this gala. It was all kinds of. Yeah, it was nuts. So that's what I got going on. Um, Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's the thing. I think, you know what? Tonight. Yeah. There has been there have been a few times where I've had an episode where I'm like, man, Ed really would have loved this. But Mm -hmm. I got a guest to be on and you were away or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, friend of the show who may not have listened since she was on the show. I don't know. Uh, there's this uh, comedian named Ashley Monique, who is now down mm, based in mm-hmm. Oakland. Yeah. And she is a friend of mine uh, who originally started as an audience member of Capital Punishment. And then eventually I got her to be on Capital Punishment. And then I kind of kept pushing her. I'm like, you should do comedy. Mm-hmm. 
And when COVID hit, she found uh, finally it was her time and she found safe ways to do it. And now she has made comedy like most of her life. And she is very, very good at it. And I can only imagine good things. But way back, way back, mm-hmm. I want to say in the 40s of episodes, um, you actually can hear her on one of the intros. She says, Agra has no business being that thick. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. her. All right. Um, but it occurred to me that you did not get to hear the fun and goodness that is Dark Crystal and the Two State Solution. Things that make you go, hmm? Yeah, and I've and I've been I was I was deeply disappointed at the time mm-hmm. that I was not able to be the one on that episode with you. Well, today's your day. Today is your day. Camaro. I am I am here for it. Now I'm not merely going to retread an old tire. I'm doing okay. this as the opening salvo on a multi-part series that is the dark crystal then and the dark crystal now because as you may know netflix uh came out with a dark crystal series in 2019 yeah prequel yeah called the age of resistance and yes yes i am a big believer of like change over time let's see what happens so yeah the first the first few episodes of this will be about uh the dark crystal then okay uh let's see where to start well the dark crystal came out in american theaters in december of 1982 yep it was a fantasy movie with the muppets and animatronics that was for its time groundbreaking as heck um the early 80s saw an explosion of movies that created a universe for us to inhabit and this was henson's crack at it uh as you've done some research on fantasy movies you know what i'm talking about yeah uh, just to for a little bit of context um Mm -hmm. Uh, the Dark Crystal uh, was came out in December of that year. Yes, uh, that same year, mm-hmm. um, uh, film that we've already discussed at at some length, Conan the Barbarian, came out. Oh, I in thought May. you were going to say Tootsie. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, Conan the Barbarian came out in May. Yes, uh, the Beastmaster came out in August. Okay, uh, which uh, in my own research I found interesting because I always had thought that the Beastmaster was made to cash in off of the popularity of Conan, but no, they were nope. made at roughly the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then in April of that year, the movie, the sword and the sorcerer uh, with Lee Horsley uh, was also released. So um, there's a glut in the market there. I mean, th- well, that's, yeah, that's th- not that that's, you know, Armageddon and deep impact. That's yeah. That's jump around and jump. That's yeah. yeah. Well, it, it actually, it actually goes back to 81 when okay. Excalibur, Clash of the Titans, Dragon Slayer, and Time Bandits all came out. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, so as as <laughs> yeah. as our audience may just now kind of be be uh twigging to at yeah. the same time you've been working on um the Dark Crystal over time. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a series about fantasy movies over time. I wish you to I, I wish you why hadn't it was... advertised that because you would have oh, sounded okay. so much smarter. Yeah, I'm just well, like I happen to know this shit, and you're yeah, like, "Wow, no, I, you yeah, had that in your pocket." No, I no, okay, hell no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't need. I don't need that. That that kind of false glory. No, uh, <laughs> I think maybe you do, but anyway, okay. no. <laughs> fuck you. Um. So anyway, uh, but but you know, um, yeah. it's interesting that you know you listen to the titles on that, and Dark Crystal is kind of an outlier. In, what, in what, the in in the well in in kind of the subgenre, Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. sword and sorcery, barbarian flick, 
Conan Wait, I guess yeah, all of them seem you know. to have some sort of fightiness to their names. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, and yeah. and yeah, and I I don't want to get too far into the no, weeds no. on the rest of that because I have several episodes of my own. Movie. Sure. But Dark Crystal stands out there. Okay. I'm gonna say. Yeah. So um the the problem with releasing in December of 82 was that E.T. and Tootsie had already been massively popular actually that year. Um, so uh, part of this movie's lack of popularity can be laid at a very saturated field um, as what you had just said. Um, but like E.T. takes the kids, right? Yeah. I think Tootsie I gets think the, the parents. Yeah. Um, I think of, of the examples you're using, I think E.T. Mm-hmm. is the one that probably took the wind out of dark crystal sails most yeah but um you know you can only get to so many movies uh yeah you know and, and so having having tootsie being out at roughly the same time um yeah. i i want to say uh god i think it it released in i want to say november but i that's kind of what i'm guessing off. yeah because because it's it's you know holiday season november december i know that et had been a summer movie no, I'm sorry. It did release in December because I remember okay. it was like right ahead of Christmas. Like, okay. I remember because I was a, you know, my birthday is in December. So, yeah. Uh, just letting you know that, Geek Timers. Um, but uh, <laughs> my birthday is in December. And, uh, and so I remember um, sobbing through ET. Um, and I also remember Tootsie being like hot on its heels. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway. I, hmm. Yeah. Trying to remember, I could have sworn that ET was a summertime flick because I thought I saw it with my grandparents, but I could be inflating a memory or misremembering something. But could be anyway. But I mean, regardless, it it yeah. had drawn Dark Crystal had massive, had significant. No, it had to have been a Christmas movie, right? Because it was a kids movie. We didn't have the summer blockbusters yet at that time. No, no, you're probably right. Now that I think about it, um. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, anyway, um, I'm not going to edit this out either. So, um, anyway, those two movies were very, very popular, uh, and E.T. stayed in the theaters forever. Cause I remember, here's why I'm remembering, cause it Mm. was raining like crazy, um, when E.T. came out, uh, when I, or rather when I saw E.T., um, it was raining like crazy. So. I bet you it stayed in theaters for a long damn time. Yeah, it stayed in theaters for a long damn time because Wikipedia confirms release date was June 11th, 1982. There you go. All right. So uh, they're massively popular. Uh, Also, another thing getting in the way of the Dark Crystal, to be perfectly honest, it's kind of boring. It's slow and plotting. (laughs) It just is. Um, There's no characters (laughs) that really stand out as uh, beyond being mildly entertaining. Everybody remembers Chamberlain, but not much more than the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, if you go on YouTube, you can find, uh, I think it is 12 hours of, like, you know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I actually tried, this is several years ago now, uh, mm-hmm. last, last two days of school, mm-hmm. uh, showing The Dark Crystal to my students. And nice. and the plot was was too slow for many yes. of them. Uh, but I will never forget uh, in my honors class uh, when when Chamberlain tries to lure the two gulflings to come with him, and you know, please make peace, peace, yeah. peace. 
you uh one of my kids Wait. said something yeah. one of my kids said something like come into my creepy van yep yep prophecy <laughs> candy my creepy my um, creepy windowless van yep and yeah and that'll stick with me forever and the plot so, is fairly standard too you know go get the thing take it to yeah. the place right um mm. the world while remarkable is so busy that the main characters kind of get lost among the scenery too um because the main character is very very tan earthen tones uh, yeah. and the scenery seems to be set in the fall even though the entire world is awake and alive and eating things um now it it does turn a profit and actually out of all the movies that year it was the 16th highest grossing film okay um, and it's also one of the highest groping groping Whew. Oh, you got, hey, you got well, please come into my van <laughs> um but it was one of the highest grossing Muppet puppet movies of all time, just behind the Muppet movie, uh, which oh, well. while okay. niche is is remarkable. Um, however, the Dark Crystal, even though it's clearly another example of bearded white guys appropriating what little they knew about Eastern mysticism, like in your podcast about the Jedi, it is also a fascinating look into the Israel-Palestine conflict that was ongoing in the 70s and 80s. Okay. Okay. Um which okay, so I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna guess here mm. that the parts of Eastern philosophy we're cribbing mm -hmm. in the case of the Dark Crystal are Taoism dual Taoism's dualism. Yes. And in that way the Eastern Eastern belief systems are all kind of syncretic with each other. Right. Um, ideas of reincarnation and Light dark, yeah, and and um, seeing beyond yourself, having yeah. a third eye, yeah, transcendental meditation, yep, kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Also, it's a fucking crystal, so you know, it's the seventies. It's a crystal New age. Yeah. Ooh, so, yep. Yeah. And we're gonna get yeah. into that. Oh boy. Okay. All right. I'm There's here one for thing it. I like beating up on it almost as much as Margaret Thatcher. Um. <laughs> So, almost 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 and, um, and you like beating up on margaret thatcher almost as much as you like beating up on ronald reagan oh no he's in a class unto himself like <laughs> okay. there's there's right. no comparison. that's that's a whole that's right. that's like if i were to ask you who your best friend is and you say bishop o'connell and somebody else walks by and go huh, mine's my wife you're like look fucker the wife is in her own category <laughs> yeah, yeah like that's there's, reagan yeah. for me as far okay. as beating up got it yeah. got it but anyway so henson starts writing the story in, in 1975 Okay. Um, which is two years after the Yom Kippur War and three years after Munich and one year after the UN recognized Palestinians' right to self-determination. Um, the background okay. to this is a lot of insurgencies, a lot of attacks from within Israel and from outside of Israel by various groups aimed at eliminating the state of Israel and or armed Palestinian liberation. And the background to this is also a lot of special forces attacks on small groups of people a lot of state-sanctioned assassinations, and a lot of efforts to maintain the state of Israel in the midst of all this opposition. The background to this is also a lot of rhetoric, wherein one side wiping out the other one completely and is also refusing to compromise at all. And the background is also a lot of religious rhetoric about who's supposed to live there and how. And the background to this is also a lot of what is happening outside of Israel so that the rest of the world cannot ignore it as an internal issue. And the background to this is also a lot of mass casualty attacks and murders of women and children. 
And the background of this is also a lot of dissension amongst the various groups who have a stake in Palestine's continued existence, including internecine murders. So he's writing with all of that in the air. Okay. So. Okay. When he writes, I, it's it's bleak. Um, mm. Mm. Which, and yet at the same time, this is Jim Henson. So you're going to get a different version of bleak with him. Um, there's yeah. a term called hope punk. Um, and I've also okay. seen joy punk being used, both of yeah. which are often associated with Jim Henson. Oh, okay. So he writes a 25-page treatment that has flavors of the movie that we've come to love way more than we should. Um, he's also been reading uh, and self-admittedly not understanding something called the Seth material. Have you heard of the Seth material? No, oh, I boy. can't say that I have. There was a woman named Jane Roberts who wrote this book in the early 1960s, and Jane Roberts claimed to be channeling a male ghost named Seth, whom she'd met while using a Ouija board in researching ESP for another book. Okay, so <laughs> I, I have to get this off my chest. Sure. Ouija boards yes. are an invention of of the Parker Brothers game company. To cash in on there, the there seance is, craze of the yes, 20s. There, yeah. yeah, but but there there is no lore about anything like a Ouija board that predates the invention of the Ouija board by Parker brothers. So like people ascribe all this, all this mysticism and all this, all this shit to mm -hmm. Ouija boards. And, and the moment anybody mentions that I'm like, okay, like as somebody who's interested in, in the history of occultism and, and mystical stuff, you know, the mm -hmm. Rosicrucians and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, order of the golden dawn and, you know, Yates, I think it was kicking Aleister Crowley down a flight of stairs, like, like mm -hmm. all of that stuff. The moment you mention a Ouija board, I'm like, I'm not going to take you seriously anymore. Fuck off. Like I'm done. I did. No. Okay. Sorry. But yeah. anyway, carry on the Seth material. I, I mean, if I'm a ghost, I'm going to use whatever is available. So if cell phones are available, I'll start texting. If it's video cassette tapes, then I'll start invading yeah, those. Yeah, I a ring I on mean, the screen. Like on the I, one hand, on the one hand, I understand the pragmatism behind that. Yeah. But on the other hand, if for some reason I ever wind up haunting the earth, like that's the one way you're not going to contact me. That's the only way I will. Okay. I'm gonna oh. fuck with people so hard using that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gonna yeah, be that yeah. and like vague runes on like uh, a, a mirror in in the sink okay you know, when the steam's gotten going yeah yeah all right yeah. okay anyway so, sorry yep that's okay I carry on um but this was a book written in the early 60s right um now after world war ii the new age movement had been taking off as were other alternatives to standard churches that people had gotten used to um large part of this is i mean manifest by the fact that um churches got bombed the shit out of uh after i mean after world war one you had the lost generation where they found vodka and yeah. and you know gin yeah. um well, this time was, they find crystals yeah after after world war one there was a huge uptick in occultism and mysticism and all that mm -hmm. stuff also as it turns out when when humanity fails and religion fails to rein them in um then the result is you you have upticks like this so uh this book becomes really, really seminal in the New Age philosophies, um, and it is considered a, quote, channeled work. That being that Seth channeled through her at plenty of gatherings 
and was a, quote, energy personality essence no longer focused in physical matter. Um, as you see, he'd completed his earthly reincarnations and was now coming to them from a different plane of existence. Okay. And so she wrote that book. Okay. With him using her yeah. to channel it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I mentioned these details because this kind of self-oriented personal growth-based spirituality was a really popular thing in the 1960s and yeah. would grow throughout the 70s. And and this isn't meant as a dig. I'm merely making a correlative connection. Owsley acid comes onto the scene in 63 after the patent had expired. Um, though LSD had been in existence since 1938, the CIA mm -hmm. was using it in the MK Ultra program in the 50s, and Aldous Huxley, Ken Kesey, and Tim Leary were staunch advocates of it. Um, that's what's happening in the United States and in the United Kingdom a lot, and so is this New Age spiritual movement. They are uh, co-evolving. Also, okay. Doctor Strange comics, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. comics, oddly enough, were also really big, and so was Psychedelia in advertising. Okay, yeah. So the Seth material covered a lot of ground, as you might expect, a groundbreaking book in a genre to do. Uh, it covers the origin of the universe, what God actually is, and and some names for God are all that is, all in capitals, mm -hmm. um, or the multidimensional God, um, which I don't know if you've got to describe it, then mm -hmm. you're kind of taking away from, you know, a little bit. It, it feels similar to I was thinking in my head the other day. And it's like, you didn't have to say that last part. Like, yeah. You get it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but another, uh, you get guardian spirits, um, reincarnation, higher self, multidimensional reality, the purpose of life, lots and lots more stuff. That mm -hmm. all kind of, you know, springs forth from the Seth material. Okay. Now, what I'm zooming in on here, though, is this. Um, the Seth materials talked a lot about people experiencing and creating realities of their own, not a shared objective truth on this level. The shared objective truth was still there, but mm -hmm. it was on a higher plane. Our higher selves shared an objective truth. Down here on the earth, we're all are in our own realities that sometimes abrade each other, sometimes bump into each other. And Jane Roberts, the one who's channeling Seth, said, quote, if you want to change your world, you must first change your thoughts, expectations, and beliefs, end quote, which I'll give her points for that. That's true. That's kind okay. of like John Lennon saying, imagine there's no heaven um, in in a call to like, hey, make shit work here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind what she says there. That that makes perfect sense to me. Um, the old way of doing things clearly keeps getting people killed. If you want to change your world, you've got to change your thoughts, expectations, and beliefs. Michael Jackson would say something similar later on. If you want to change the world, take a look at yourself and make that change, you know? So. Okay. Yeah. No, it all makes sense. Yeah. Now, Jane Roberts is writing these books and influencing a legion of writers, uh, also spiritualists, ministers, college students, people dissatisfied with the way that things were going in the 60s and 70s. And Jim Henson read a and, and again, admitted that he didn't understand, <laughs> but also admitted that he liked it. So, okay, he, yeah. Now, I'm going to point out something here. Um, Israel is experiencing its own state as something that needs to be defended from anywhere from three to six Arab countries who are committed to the three no's of the Khartoum Resolution of 67, which is almost a generation after the creation of the Israeli state. 
Okay. Um, the three no's of the Khartoum resolution of 67 were, one, no peace with Israel. Two, no recognition of Israel. Three, no negotiations with Israel. I mean, the only that's, option at that point is... That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. 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 Now, this is their reality. This is Israel's reality. They are a recognized country by the United Nations, and yet they are under constant threat of being attacked, wiped out, and certainly terrorized. Palestine is experiencing its own state as something that needs to be defended and liberated from a foreign intruder. And they sometimes get help from anywhere between three to six Arab countries who don't necessarily see them as equals, by the way, but as the enemy of their enemy, as a convenient rallying cry. And mm. both of them worship the same God uh, who gave them both a claim to the same land, but in different books and at different times. And under a different name mm-hmm. and with a host of different... Um... Conditions. What's the word I'm looking for? Conditions. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And it's... yet, I mean, you basically have two people sharing the same space, not sharing the same reality, despite the realities being remarkably similar. Oh, yeah, very much. So here's Jim Henson, snowed in in an airport hotel, writing the beginnings of The Dark Crystal steeped in a philosophy that he admittedly doesn't understand and living at the same time as two states exist simultaneously at one as one and yet they exist at the expense of each other it is a zero-sum game on on many levels okay now interestingly he had tried lsd in the past um but he reported it had no effect on him um which okay I mean, here's a guy who imagined and manifested Muppets into existence saying, yeah, I tried LSD and it didn't do anything. Um, and his biography would later say, his biographer would later say, of course it didn't. Cause quote, Jim was already there. So... <laughs> uh, okay. Well, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, Jim Henson spoke with Brian Froud. Uh, the fantasy illustrator turned concept artist for the movie, um, and David O'Dell, the screen the screenplay writer, he made them both read this book, the 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 Seth book, um, uh, what do you okay. call it? the Seth material. Um, it clearly had an impact on him, and despite his not getting it, he still was getting a lot from it. Apparently, yeah. O'Dell even pointed to a very specific line that Augra says about Jen's master's death one of the main mystics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he, Jen says, you know, oh, he's dead. And she's like, where is he? Where is your master? Blah, blah, blah. And and he's like, he's dead. He could be anywhere then. Um, which, yeah. Which to us is kind of flip, but actually um, he said that if he had not read Roberts's book, Odell, the, the screenwriter said, if he had not read uh, Roberts's book, he never would have come up with that line. Okay. So Odell spoke of Henson's vision. He said, quote, the spiritual kernel of the dark crystal is heavily influenced by Seth. I've always felt that the idea of perfect being split into a good mystic part and an evil materialistic part, which are reunited after a long separation, is Jim's response to the teachings of that book. Jim admitted that he didn't understand the book himself and that everyone would understand it or not understand it in their own way. But he thought that it opened up a whole different way of looking at reality, which I think was one of his goals in the making of the Dark Crystal. I especially want to just okay. highlight in their own way. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, you know, that, that's, that's the, the, the soup that Jim Henson is swimming in. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a constant through line here that a, he doesn't understand it. And B, he really is getting a lot out of it despite not understanding it. Now, the original draft differs wildly from what we see on the screen, and I don't really care enough about that to uh, discuss it over much, to be honest, because it's not what gets through all the edits. It's not what gets through to the studio to release it. Um, I will say that it was a very evil versus good, malevolent, malevolent race taking over from a powerful group of wise folks, and that ultimately the two races are reunified. That That thread kind of stayed there. So again... An evil, materialistic, malevolent race takes over from a powerful group of very wise people. So okay. you're seeing, yeah. Now, like a lot of white guys with beards in the 1970s who probably smelled of patchouli, he did borrow heavily from Eastern mysticism, going essentially from Persia through India. Okay. Yeah. Now, Thra the world that they lived in, which is never mentioned on screen, actually, but it is a part of the uh, production a lot, you know, a lot of their discussions. And it's Pro- and it's mentioned yeah. in the comic book adaptation. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and I, Proud I, um, spoke a lot of of things like this. Um, and, and, you know, he'd have liner notes and he'd have all kinds of notes uh, regarding, you know, the different species, even if they don't get named, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, same thing with the locations and the the history mm-hmm. behind this. You know, oh, this is a you know, Gelfling who is from the blah 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 blah. And it's like, okay, we're gonna keep the word Gelfling in the movie, but the rest is gonna fall away. <laughs> um, so the world that they lived on is never actually mentioned. Um, but uh, the the original name of Thra was going to be Mithra, um, M I T H R A A. I think it's shortened yeah. to Thra, T H R A. Mithra. Mm hmm. Is that Mithras? Hmm. Is that ringing any bells to you? Is that uh... Myth- the Mithraic Mysteries? Oh, go on. The ancient Roman mystery cult. Oh, yeah. That's that's certainly. Uh, uh, Conanified as Mitra in oh. Robert E. Howard. Hmm. Who's also uh, a bit of an Orientalist. You know, a yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you you could say that. Yes, Jen was supposed to be blue. I mean, that's go on. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, blue. You say blue. I say, yeah. He was supposed to be blue, like like Krishna. A little bit, a little bit. Okay, oh, all right. Oh. Wow. The podlings. The podlings were not. I'm I'm gonna. Well, they were Eastern, but they were not Orientalized. Um. The podlings, they're my favorite group. They're they're the, yeah. the the smaller ones that like to party, right? Um yeah. they were human potatoes. <laughs> Literally okay, cool. Froud like took a look at a potato and he took a look at an old Russian woman and he's like, What if they were the same thing? And just drew them together eventually. You, um you you cannot, you will not convince me uh-huh. that he was not smoking several bowls a day. Oh, I'm not going to try to convince you like, of that at all. It's like, Brian Froud. I mean, yeah. have you seen his work? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but the the podlings were human potatoes who spoke a Slavic sounding language um, and lived like good peasants should, like, say, on the Eurasian steppe. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
never going to be able to watch those parts of the movie the same way again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Damien okay. ruins yet another one. All right. Um, well, I, I don't know if ruin is the right word, though. Yeah. But... I've, I've had a student come up to oh. me who is now a sophomore. And and for back to school night, she came up to me. I don't know if this made it into any of the other podcasts. For back to school night, she came up to me with her mom. And mm-hmm. her mom, because I taught drama last year, and her mom, mm. uh, and drama turned into film appreciation because I couldn't keep anybody yeah. safe if I did drama. Um, so it was we're all just going to watch other people act. Uh, and so I showed them The Dark Crystal because I was like, hey, puppetry is an important uh, medium as well. And so her mom said to me, like, oh God, you've ruined her for movies forever. She she will never stop analyzing films now. Uh, I said, well, you're welcome. <laughs> so. And this student warms the heart, don't it? This student hated the Dark Crystal when I showed it. And so I made sure that anytime we had another genre, because every week we studied another genre, I made sure that because I always let the kids, I'm like, hey, you tell me what movie you want to watch within that genre. If not, I will give you one. Um, so I found out what streaming services they had and I was able to do it. So every time we had a different genre, if she didn't have one at the ready, I gave her a Muppet movie. Every time. That that's a plus teaching, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's so. When we did a crime movie, she had the great Muppet caper. Um. (laughs) So, oh, it was great. I'm I am without words. That's that's too good. Yeah. So. (laughs) So anyway, now Hansen, uh, he saw these Slavic potatoes, uh, who were sentient, and he kind of uh, attracted them into a more Mediterranean mindset of good and evil, but he kept the karmic balance stuff in there too um, in, in his philosophy. So there's this like, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much guy who kind of, well, again, it's guy who didn't it's, understand the Seth materials much less yeah, any of well, the other it's, stuff. It's like, it's like Lucas read mm-hmm. a, a, you know, entry level textbook about Buddhism and read came the up intro with, to it with yeah. the force. Yeah. 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 And it's it's the same it's yeah same thing so like, you've yeah. got this this balance between good and evil uh black yeah. and white i mean literally black and white because the gartham are black and the yeah. landstriders are white and they yeah. have a fight right uh the gartham are rounded and and beetle-like and the landstriders are elongated and they're laporeal and yet they walk yeah. around on stilts um it's a typical american hodgepodge of stuff that he didn't spend too much time researching because you know puppets yeah. um for instance, the Skeksis were 10 creatures that were supposed to embody the seven deadly sins. So there's some overlap, right? Um, but right. it's it's absolutely there. I mean, think about them at the uh, banquet. There's, yeah. there's your gluttony, right? And you've got avarice and you've got, you yeah. know. Um, and since the Skeksis and mystics are karmic opposites, if such a thing could exist. Yeah. Um, so again, it's that, that false duality that we yeah. saw with Lucas, right? They represent the virtue mirror images of the Skeksis counterparts. And so the Skeksis were of this world. They were concerned with power and domination, jockeying for position, scheming. They're predatory. They're they're intensely selfish. They were living in a contrived and constructed palace. Uh, the mystics were much more ascetic. Uh, they were purged of all materialistic urges. They were connected to the natural world. They They liked geometry. They were unconcerned with hierarchies at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were aimed at self-knowledge and knowledge of the world beyond the self, if not even like they didn't even care about self-mastery quite ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, they were almost completely divorced from the self. Um, and and I cannot emphasize, emphasize this enough. 
super into geometry. Yeah. As, as a, a, uh, symbolic way of showing their esoterica. Mm -hmm. Geometry is an easy way of, of throwing something on the wall and going or look, on patterns. the floor of a cave right that that shows look look how much time they're spending on esoteric knowledge you know abstract stuff exactly you know? i mean to be perfectly honest uh, madonna got into quote sacred geometry in the late 90s so oh yeah through kabbalah yeah i mean it's 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 easy if you're not thinking about it much so cuz the triangle has three sides and you know we can all figure out how a triangle works by, you know, putting our mm -hmm. thumb up our angle side side and figuring it out. Yeah. So anyway, it's April to December of 81. They're all filming everything at the Elstree Studios in London, uh, which means that it was being written, edited and rewritten, etc. from 75 to 81. Wow. And here yeah, and here's where history steps in and collides with the philosophy that he found attractive, right? Um, because again, yes, he wrote this in 75 as a treatment, but as the rewrites happen, history is unfolding. He's reading newspapers. He's hearing things on the radio. He's seeing things on mm -hmm. TV, right? So here's what's been happening. It would be in the news on some level, although it's not possible to determine how much he accessed it. You can say that, okay, this was going on. It was on the headlines. It was in the zeitgeist while he was designing the movie. Um, and I'm going to avoid saying terrorists and assassination and other such loaded terms here. Um, I'm simply going to stick to Palestinian fighters and Israeli soldiers. Um, and even that's a little uncomfortable. Mm. But Israel has a state and therefore the soldiers are agents of that state. They are they are codified under right. internationally recognized law as a as a regulated military force. Exactly. Whereas fighters so. are held to it's kind of like the difference in D and D between a fighter and a warrior. Warriors yeah. are held to a held to a lesser standard of codification. Yeah. Um. Doesn't make any less brave. Um. It yeah. Usually makes them less equipped. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Less equipped. Uh, generally less regimented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, um, it doesn't necessarily yeah. make their cause more or less just either. Yeah, no. Hmm. Timothy no. McVeigh was a fighter. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. John Brown was a fighter. Like, yeah, there's two examples of white guys who are both terrorists for very opposite causes. Yes. Um. Anyway. Um. And it's not I'm not uncomfortable because I don't want to take a stand. I'm uncomfortable because it gets kind of gets back to what Henson was thinking. Um, and what philosophy was bouncing around in his head. However, like I said, soldiers have the backing of an intact government. Fighters are usually fighting for a cause. But yes, at the end of the day, it's still, uh, it shows the limitation of language. So, yeah. so he, he writes the treatment in 75. So let's start in 75. In 75, there is a hotel attack in Tel Aviv. Palestinian fighters took over a hotel on the coast and took hostages. Israeli soldiers stormed the hotel to end the situation. Five hostages were freed, eight died. Three Israeli soldiers died, and the Palestinian fighters were all killed, save one who was put on trial. Mm -hmm. Now, also in 75, a Palestinian refrigerator bomb on Ben Yehuda Street killed 15 Israeli civilians, injuring 77 more. Um, Cafe Nave 
was bombed on Jaffa Road, killing seven Israelis and injuring uh, 45. Uh, and this was three days after the United Nations General Assembly Resolution 3379 that stated, quote, Zionism is a form of racism and racial discrimination. Okay. And that was after stating that, quote, international cooperation and peace require the achievement of national liberation and independence, the elimination of colonialism and neocolonialism, foreign occupation, Zionism, apartheid, and racial discrimination in all its forms, as well as the recognition of the dignity of peoples and their rights to self-determination. That's the United Nations General Resolution. Wow. Okay. So that's that's the year in which Henson wrote the first of his Dark Crystal story. The first part of it, right? The first treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, on June 27th, 1976, Palestinian fighters hijacked Air France Flight 139 going from Tel Aviv to Athens, where they got on. There were over 200 passengers, including the four Palestinian hijackers and the 12 crew. And most of the passengers and crew were Israeli and or Jewish. Um, and that distinction does need to be made because there are, um, what are they called? Uh, the trips that, uh, American Jews will often make to Israel. It's a birthright trip. Yeah. I want it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a similar. Yeah. I'll have to look it up, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, American and or European tourism, um, to Israel, uh, is going to involve more than just Israeli being more more than just Israelis being on a uh, Air Israel flight. Um or I'm sorry, an Air France flight uh that goes from Tel Aviv to Athens. So the mm-hmm. PF did you find it? Uh n- not yet. Oh, okay. The PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine was aided by two West German leftist revolutionaries in the in the effort. So you had mostly Palestinians running this thing, but there were also two West German leftist revolutionaries. And they diverted the plane to Benghazi, Libya. Uh, they refueled there and they went to Entebbe, Uganda. And at Entebbe, they were joined by four more hijackers and got support from Idi Amin, the dictator of Uganda, uh, who had been trained by the British. Now, they got moved to an unused terminal and they got a visit from him daily. And he kept promising to negotiate their release. It, for folks in the in the audience that don't know who Idi Amin was, think if Donald Trump had a little bit more education um, and courage, and melanin. also charisma. I'm going to go with personal personal charisma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is is now the point at which we want to mention that that he's alleged to have eaten people. Yeah. Oh, and he okay. dismembered one of his. Uh, one of his I'm, I'm not saying rivals. he's a better person than Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. Y- no, indeed. I, I'm just I saying he was better trained and had more personal courage than Donald Trump. And and yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. now, like a lot of these hostage takings, it was in order to secure the release of Palestinians who were being held by Israel's government. Also to make money, because uh, you're not soldiers, you're fighters, therefore your funding is not backed by a government. Um, Now, with the help of Ugandan soldiers, the Palestinian hijackers began separating people based on citizenship and religion. Uh, Israelis in one group and everyone else in another, except that they also added to the Israelis, including a Holocaust survivor, two ultra-Orthodox Jewish couples and a French resident who had citizenship in Israel. Um, they also missed a few because not everybody's that good at keeping track of things. 
So they've started separating folks on the plane, like deliberately, like Mm -hmm. we are targeting one group and not the other. Okay. Yeah. Now you can imagine the echoes that this has uh, in, in recent European history, separating the Jews from the group Mm -hmm. is, yeah. yeah. Um, Now, yeah. yeah. Go on. Very bad connotations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now on the thirtieth, okay. So again, this this all starts uh, on June twenty seventh. So now we're on June thirtieth. Uh, the hijackers released forty eight non Israeli hostages, and a couple of days later, they release another one hundred non Israeli non Israeli hostages. However, the Air France crew refused to leave, even though they were offered like mm-hmm. you can also go, and they said no. These these people are under our charge. The answer is no. Yeah. Now. In a very pl- well-planned, well-coordinated raid on the hijacking, the Israeli uh, soldiers, um, the actually they were Mossad soldiers, mm-hmm. um, including their their leader, uh, Yonatan Netanyahu, mm. the elder brother of ben- uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, um, okay. who was also one of the only Israeli soldiers to die in the rescue effort. And and I just want to stop down for a second to talk about Yonatan. Um, by the time he's doing this, he is already a national hero he's also like a well-known poet like he is kind of the like if you took sergeant york mixed him with ben franklin and robert mm-hmm. frost like yeah he's he's a real like he's this he's this remarkable legendary founding figure of the state of israel yeah he's the boy yeah. chick of the family um unfortunately benjamin <laughs> uh never recovers from that yeah i know Um, so, but he dies. He's actually one of the few people who dies in this. And I think he was a colonel at this time. Now, uh, he's, he's one of, I think there's two or three Israeli soldiers who die in this rescue effort and they rescue 102 of the hostages, uh, and with only 10 of them being wounded. Um, three hostages were killed in the crossfire and one named Dora block B L O C H. So blotch block. I don't know. Mm, She's British. Um, she was left behind in Uganda. Uh, and and she was killed by Amin soldiers along with a few of her doctors and nurses in retaliation for the fact that the Israeli soldiers conducted the rescue raid on his soil without his permission. Um, her murder was the catalyst that led to the British cutting all diplomatic ties with Uganda, which then led to Amin calling himself the conqueror of the British Empire and the King of Scotland. Yeah, yeah, we you already mentioned the Trump parallels. Uh huh. So. Yeah. Uh huh. No need. To, no need to go back over that again. Right. As as obvious as they've now become. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was most of July of seventy six. Uh. So while the dark crystal is crystallizing, Gestating. yeah. Uh. In Henson's uh and Odell's mind, I'm gonna go with crystallizing. Actually. Yeah. Like that. Right. Um. That's that's what's in the soup. Okay. In seventy seven, Israel's uh, or Israeli special forces killed PLO representatives, including one in Paris, France. Um, in seventy eight, you start to see splinter groups be- besides the PFLP and the PLO, and there's some internecine killing amongst these groups. Some didn't take too kindly to Arafat's olive branch in seventy four, um, and because of the splintering, you have a lot of groups starting to escalate the killings and the targets and the frequency. Um, there was a bus attack in March of 78 by Fatah, a branch of the PLO that favored more deadly efforts. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they hijacked a bus. They killed 38 Israelis, one American, and wounded 76. Uh, 13 children were among the dead. It's it's a really brutal and dangerous time, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, you know it's 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 bad. I, I I don't have other words for it other than this is this this is a very unsteady time. Mm-hmm. where where death is a constant companion unfortunately to mundane activities um the israeli government's response to this a couple days later was to invade part of lebanon and to push the palestinians off the border uh this created at minimum 100,000 palestinian refugees and it killed at minimum 300 palestinians and lebanese fighters as well as civilians and amid all this Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat of Egypt were headed toward negotiations at Camp mm-hmm. David. So, during the 1967 Six-Day War, so we're going to rewind just a little bit to get get that caught up to the yeah. uh, the, the Begin and Sadat negotiations. Um, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and Iraq fought against Israel, and Israel had taken the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank of the Jordan River, as well as the Golan Heights. Um, It was a huge embarrassment to the Arab world because of how quickly it happened, and in some ways it led to the Munich hostage-taking. It led to the Yom Kippur War and everything else that the PLO was trying. Um, They were being... What's that? It it also created a situation in the Arab world mm-hmm. uh, where the the embarrassment. I mean, the, yes. the extent to which the extent to which the Israelis like flattened everybody, just yes. kicked all the ass. Yes. Um. In very short war. I mean, it's literally called the Six Day War. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. Um. And the the prevailing theory. Mm-hmm. in the Arab world became that uh, there's no way is the Israelis could have done this on their own. Uh, the United States had to have helped them. Mm-hmm. And, and to this day, 55 mm-hmm. years later, um, it is still a commonly accepted uh, truism on the streets of Egypt, Iraq, mm-hmm. any of those, any of those countries, Lebanon, that that no 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 the U.S. the U.S. did that that wasn't that wasn't Israel we would have we would have you know wiped Israel off the map but you know the Americans secretly did this and it's it's a part of I'm not going to say it is it is the reason but it is a significant part of the the attitude that um, the Arab world has toward the United States is based on that. Uh, perception of that conspiracy theory. I mean, there's also, of course, all of our colonialist bullshit. I was going to say we we really yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's plenty of that. Yeah, there's there's plenty of shit we did, right? But that conspiracy theory is a big part of the the fueling of mm-hmm. of of or or the or the perpetuation of of the attitude that you know, to a certain extent rightfully exists mm-hmm. because of all the colonialist shit we did do. Um, that's, that is one that is like, well, you know, and on top of all of that, there's right. this. And it's like, no, that one we didn't actually do. But, right. Right. But we're never going to convince anybody that we didn't because of all the shit we did do. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. 
Well, anyway. and and so the PLO really stepped up after 67 um, because of that humiliation that you were talking about. And they were being funded largely by those same Arab states who had lost in 67 and who would rather not lose another war so badly mm. and more territory. So if you can pay Palestinians to take all the risks and you can fund Palestinians to do all the damage, then you're not losing yeah. anything, but Israel is. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, uh, it's a pretty classic dirty trick scheme in, in any kind of international conflict ever. Yeah. You know, um, and interestingly, Iran wasn't, wasn't part of that yet. Correct. Well, because Iran was not one of the Arab nations. Right. Because at that point, mm-hmm. Iran, so we're talking 70. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we, we have, the, that was the 67. Shah is not, right. Yeah. Okay. 67 is, is pre Shah's fall full on Shah. alive. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's not right. going to, he's not going to go he's, yeah. until 77. Yeah. I or 79. I right. 77, 70. No, I think it was yeah. 79. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. Uh, so fast forward to Sadat and begin. Uh, they were in semi-secret negotiations with Jimmy Carter leading into 1978. Um, and so the the leader of Israel and the leader of uh, Egypt are trying to work out a let's not hit each other anymore, which, again, this goes against the Khartoum resolution of 67. Mm-hmm. So is uh, Egypt's going to catch a lot of shit for this. Um, anyway. Yeah. Sadat and Begin are in these semi-secret negotiations with Carter. He brings them to Camp David. They did a mini version of shuttle diplomacy. It's called the uh, the one document uh, diplomacy. And literally, Jimmy Carter was working 20-hour days. Um, he's walking a document back and forth between Sadat and Begin. And he's like, no, I, I do not want there to be any secrets here. This is what he has said. This is what he has crossed out. What do you need to cross out? What do you need to say? And then he would, is that everything? Yes. Okay. And then he'd go back over to the ne- the other guy. He said, this is what he said. This is what he has crossed out. What mm-hmm. are you, you know, and they would go back and forth, back and forth. Um, and, and the thing is to start with, they couldn't even be in the same room, Begin and, and uh, Sadat. Um, but Carter was able to provide a third party so that they could both kind of put their respect and trust into him that they didn't have for each other. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, they had the added bonus of uh, both of them wanting to avoid Soviet intervention in the area. Mm. And that helps yeah. a lot. Um, and uh, well, because by that time, the Soviet intervention had begun to look like uh, Hungary, you know, Budapest. I think it was Budapest. Yeah. Yeah. Where they sent the tanks in. Yeah. Where they or sent Czechoslovakia tanks, in 68. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah. They, they didn't they didn't want that at all right um because they they knew that at that point in global politics if if any if the soviets had intervened somebody was going to wind up becoming a puppet yeah basically so, so he basically kept threatening he's like look if you guys don't start finding a way to get along i will yank all the aid that we give to both of you mm-hmm. and you know good luck with the soviets um, and so he basically took them both into Gettysburg uh, to see the battlefield. Mm. And I mean, that's pretty, you know, pretty obvious what he's trying to get at there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would barely deal with the two men. He he also 
would only go to their staff except for for final approval really yeah so he's like no you're you're not going to try to 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 massage me one way or the other i'm here to make peace between the two of you i'm sorry you two can't be in the same room together but I'll be damned if you're going to try to rickroll me. So I'm going to talk with your staff. I'm going to talk with your staff and go back and forth. And then only when it's like, okay, staff, are you all satisfied with this? Yes. Okay, great. Now I'm going to go to your boss. I'm going to make sure he's cool with it. And then back. I I really want to see somebody rehabilitate Carter in, in the American historic historiographical record. Well, there's a documentary that came out on him recently um, on HBO, and I was going to look into that, actually. Um, Because, yeah, he's normally named as like one of the best ex-presidents we've ever had, and that's undeniably so. Yeah. Um, But you're absolutely right. So I'm I'm very curious as to how that documentary treats his presidency. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Israel... Uh, well, Sadat and Begin both also started to note that there was increased extremism in anti-Israeli sentiments and that that increased extremism in anti-Israeli sentiments was dangerous to both companies or both countries. Uh, mm-hmm. Israel, for obvious reasons, right? Uh, the, mm-hmm. the more extreme they are against our existence, the, the more of us will die. But Sadat was also worried because he's like, if the crazies get charged, like, you know, if they get enough popular sentiment behind them, yeah. um, that's going to be personally dangerous to me. And two years later, he was proven correct. So they made an agreement uh, to give back Sinai to Egypt. The whole peninsula goes back to Egypt um, and to recognize the right of self-government for the Palestinians on the West Bank and on Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, in exchange, Egypt would not attack even if their allies did. Um, attack Israel. So, and the United States would continue to give lots of aid to both to guarantee this, to keep everybody safe and honest. Okay. Now, um, Carter loses his bid for re-election in 80, uh, November mm-hmm. of 80. Um, and like, he's working right up until like the last minute to, uh, to do everything he can to keep a peace and also try to negotiate hostages back from Iran because mm-hmm. by this point, you've got the Iranian uh, hostage mm-hmm. crisis that's going on for 444 days. So, yeah, it must have been 79. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Begin's party, the Likud, uh, continued encouraging Israeli settlers in the Gaza, in Gaza and in the West uh, Bank. So, you know, hey, keep keep moving in there. We're going to push them out just by dint of our population. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadat gets killed by Islamic Jihad in Egypt uh, in in October of eighty one, um, because Omar Abdel Rahman, um, who is the exact same guy for the World Trade Center attack in ninety three, mm-hmm. um, issued a fatwa against him, and uh, also Egypt got kicked out of the Arab League for nearly a decade. Yeah, so that's. 8081. So while the final parts of the Dark Crystal are being put together and the studio is waiting to release it, that's what's going on. And and there's a lot more attacks outside of Israel and Palestine and Palestine, but th- this is you know largely what's going on. Okay. So um we're actually at a place where there's a pretty good breaking point okay. um for for what we've got coming up. Um so and it 
it fits the harmony pattern of like, well, here's all the history and then we'll get to the real thing. Yeah. So I'm going to stop it here. It might feel kind of short compared to our most Usual recent tomes that we've put kind of up stuff. Before. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind us going a little short sometimes. Um, so uh, what have you gleaned so far? Uh, well, right off the bat, I want I want somebody to create an icon image of Jimmy Carter. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want, I want an, an literally a saint's icon mm. image made of Jimmy Carter. Like, because I think he deserves one mm-hmm. um, in the, in the canon of men who have been president of the United States. When it comes to actually being a moral individual, he, he is number at, at least number two on the list, possibly number one. Of the you ones know, who've been president, or? of 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 men who've been president of the United States, yeah, like Lincoln might might be number one, mm-hmm. uh, but then there are the things Lincoln did at the out at the at the outset of the Civil War that are like mm, don't know, um, in terms of you know uh, uh, executive authority and and suspension of habeas corpus and what have you that like make me wonder like maybe quibble maybe not wonder but make me mm-hmm. quibble slightly but i mean jimmy carter came into the office of president and there was no scandal on his watch he did not enrich himself with the office True. his brother well okay there was a scandal his brother was a complete <laughs> hey, billy beer billy yeah billy was an embarrassment but but yes. carter himself and and the people who were not his brother who were right. involved in his, the people who were actually involved in his administration. Um like there, you know, he got elected because of Watergate and because everybody was like, no, no, this is a guy we can all look at, and he is a pillar of moral character. And I just wish I wish a couple of things had broken his way. Mm. In, in hindsight, because he he got hammered by circumstances outside of his control. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite so. And then and then, you know, Ronnie Reagan got voted in. Yep. And we 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 haven't had anybody of that same level of of moral character since. In 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 terms not only of personal morality but but policy, you know. Sure. Um, and yeah, it's a, I mean it's a damn shame because he gets he gets he he has he has gone down in history as being a weak president, and I don't think he deserves that. No, I I would push back just a little bit in saying that El Salvador called and said what? Um, okay, damn you. All right. You know, yeah. so did Haiti. Okay. Uh, like in this hemisphere, you're wrong. In the rest of the world, you seem to be pretty right. Mm. So, and and so here's that weird distinction, like where you can make a distinction without a difference. But like a lot of people say, with under Jimmy Carter, not a single missile was fired, not a single bullet was fired uh, for American interests overseas. And and there's truth to that. So long as you point, don't point to the fact that the rescue operation with guys filled with guns 
got knocked down by a sandstorm in Iran. Yeah. Um, and that we didn't have Americans firing those bullets, but we certainly supplied a lot of bullets to certain people in El Salvador, yeah. Nicaragua, Haiti. So it's it's like, yeah, true, but. And and yeah. it's kind of like, it's almost like a Bechdel test. Like, you know how low that bar is where you have to just have two named female characters <laughs> talk yeah. about something there, besides yeah, okay. their relationship yeah, to a man? Totally and yet fair. 85% still fail at that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if the bar is this low, Carter was successful and he's yeah. still the only one within. Oh shit. You would have to go back before Coolidge. Shit. I can't, I can't think of a president prior even. Um, because I'm, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going mean... to say that the assassination and the, the slaughter of natives, uh, doesn't count. Yeah. Well, so he might be yeah. the only one that that made it th- across that very low threshold of yeah. Let's not throw our bullets at them with yeah. our guys. Like yeah. Now that being said, I do think he was. Uh, you know, we talked about this before. Um, you can have a good man become president and have to do very bad things, and you can yes. certainly define him as no longer a good man once he becomes president. Yeah. Um, and I think that Jimmy Carter certainly is in a class unto himself as president. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair. Fair. Yep. Okay. Um so I mean that's that's the very first thing that that comes sure. across and sure. then um the the duality theme within Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. And the two separate peoples yes who on we're a gonna certain get into level that and and time. and yeah. two separate peoples who on a certain level aren't two separate peoples. Mm. which is which is reductive as hell. Like mm-hmm. if you if you were to say to a Palestinian and right. an Israeli, well, you know, you're you're not really two people. Like yeah. I don't I don't like that's that, that's that's a very asshole. That, yeah, that's yeah. that's a very that's a very white guy with a beard. Yep. <laughs> yes, of, it is. Kind of outlook. Oh, cool. That. Thank you. Tell me more. Like, Can you use a puppet to tell me while you're at yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah. Um yeah. but you know, I, I can see the thought process going on there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see uh all of the all of the details of of that sure. allegory sure. going forward. Cool. Well, uh anything you want to recommend to people besides the two gun witch? Yeah, dude, just you know, take it take it completely out from under me. Um I am going to re-recommend a renegade history of the United States. Um, I think it is well worth well worth a read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it uh, opens up uh, a new perspective on uh, the the parts of our history that establishment figures and establishment historians don't want to highlight in the record, mm-hmm. at the very least, uh, but that are really important if you're going to get a truly uh uh 360 degree understanding of why our country is the way it is cool how about you uh, i'm going to recommend actually self portrait of a hero uh which are the letters of yonatan netanyahu from 19 i think it's like 63 to 76 um and it's got an afterward by both of his brothers uh, mm. Take that with a grain of salt when uh, you see Benjamin writing, um, because that man has never 
Like, you know what they say about Rudy Giuliani? The most dangerous place in New York is between him and a microphone. Um, <laughs> on so many levels, Benjamin Netanyahu I, I is the Rudy Giuliani. I hadn't heard that till oh, just yeah. now, but yeah. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Even if um, it's at, you know, Four Seasons Landscaping. Right. Um, But like, it really is. I mean, you know, y- you have to read between the lines on on Benjamin's stuff. Uh, but Jonathan's stuff is is thought provoking and it's it's fascinating. Like again, regardless of what what side you take in the Israeli Palestinian uh, conflict, uh, regardless of what what you know what your religious bend is, is a very thoughtful man um, who who had a lot of thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's worth a read, uh, okay. regardless of of where you end up. But uh, I think that's worth a read. So. Self-portrait right. of a hero. Uh, the letters of Jonathan or Jonathan uh, Netanyahu from sixty-three to seventy-six. So very cool. Cool. Very. Uh, where can people find you? Um, I can be all. found. Uh, <laughs> um, I I can be found uh, on TikTok as Mister Underscore Blaylock. Um, but if you find me now, uh, my account has gone private. <laughs> and uh, more on that at the beginning of next episode. Um, and I can be found on Twitter also, uh, for as long as that site, uh, remains functional, uh, which it might not be by the time you're listening to this episode, uh, <laughs> it, it might be a, a, a mere memory. Um, but my, my address has now changed. Um, you can find me under the, uh, handle of cat fetcher, um, which is a nod to my my icon uh that's cat and then the german word for fighter fetcher f-e-c-h-t-e-r on twitter um and i'll explain all of that the beginning of next episode um but uh, you can find me there uh we of course collectively uh can be found at the website www.geekhistorytime.com and uh we can you have already found us either there or on uh, the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher uh, as A Geek History of Time. And wherever it is you've found us, please subscribe. Uh, please give us the five-star review that you know we deserve. And uh, where can you be found, sir? Well, by the time this releases, you'll have missed the Jan- the December show. So January 6th, we're having uh, our show, our first show of the new year at Luna's for Capital Punishment. Very cool. Uh, 8 p.m. bring proof of vaccination plus ten dollars also bring a little extra for food and you want to buy some merch we've got some cool stickers and some cool buttons uh so that's january 6th at luna's 8 p.m uh also february 3rd um at henry's uh bar and grill in in sacramento henry's bar okay Um, and uh a friend of mine owns the place and and i wanted to uh slide some business her way so February 3rd is going to be a pretty big show. So come on out to that too. Um, come out to both, obviously, but come out to the the one on February 3rd, especially. Um, also $10, also proof of vax at the door. Um, but Capital Punishment is going to be invading another venue. We're going to see all how right. well that works. So all right. cool, that's, cool. That's, that's all the news that's fit to print. So uh, all right. for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, Peace. Yes, peace.